What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I am joined by Nicole Yang and Chris Grenham, and we are going to talk about the completely fixed and championship contender Boston Celtics. Sam Sheehan came on, at uh, Nice Sheehan on Twitter, came on this podcast and declared that the Celtics are going to win the NBA championship. I, I think the last four games, the last seven out of the last eight games indicate he is 100% right. We were wrong this whole year. Um, who wants to uh, who wants to eat crow first? Not me, Nicole. <laughs> you can go. <laughs> well, I'll start by saying also Sam did declare that if you retweet the podcast and the Celtics don't win, you'll get four hundred dollars from him. So I definitely recommend. And we have one person who's already done that. Claim your four hundred dollars. We can call it like the Sheehan stimulus. That he's gonna be passing around. All right. But yeah, no, I mean, like, I think we're at the point where it's like, okay, when will the Celtics show us that they're not for real? Now, can they contend with Philadelphia and Brooklyn? That's probably a different story, but they're a lot better than we were projecting them out to be. Last night's game was back and forth. Celtics showed resilience and resolve, things that they haven't shown much of during their rough patches. And Jason Tatum is, I don't want to say fully back because after the game in his press conference, he was like, yeah, I use an inhaler now before games and I did not previously. So he clearly is still battling the after effects of his COVID diagnosis, but he is recovering and he is returning to form. And I think there is if people did have doubt about Jason Tatum's status in the league, there's no doubt that this guy is like an all NBA future MVP candidate potentially one day. Like he is back to that form in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he is since Friday, March 26th, which was the second game of their back-to-back against the Bucks. He has led them in scoring every single game, but one, which was the Knicks game. He's been very good since late March and seems to be coming on stronger game by game, honestly. All of us kind of declared this team dead a little while ago. Uh, So yes, they have proven us wrong. Myself, especially, like I did not see this coming. April has treated this team very well. And I want to, in my head, go to the opponents right off the bat and say, well, they played Houston, they played Charlotte, they played the Timberwolves. Like, I want to see a little bit more from this team, which I do, but That alone is an adjustment. Like, yeah, the Timberwolves game was super ugly. Like, it was really ugly. But they handled their business against the Rockets. They handled their business against the Hornets. Like, those are things that they didn't necessarily do earlier in the season. They won a super physical game against the Knicks. That was kind of a grinding out win, which is something early in the season this team did not do. It is very clear that they're taking steps forward and they're approaching these games much, much better. And and as a team, I, I don't want to be the downer again, but from like a greater a greater look here, like I still don't have any differing playoff expectations for this team. I think it's reassuring to see the way they're playing right now. And I think they're a significantly better basketball team than I thought they were. I'll be the first to admit that. But 
I still don't see them getting past the second round and I can see them having trouble in the first round if they hit Miami or something. So I just want to work that in. Like, yes, this team has proven us wrong and they are playing very good basketball. That being said, my long-term expectations within this season haven't really changed all that much, if that makes sense. It does. And, and I, I largely agree with you. I, a couple of days ago, I went on our buddy, John Corrales' pod, Locked on Celtics podcast. He talked about how if the Celtics meet the Sixers, because my, my whole thing was like, do you really think that the Celtics could do anything? against Philly yeah, yeah. and his point was like look the Celtics have not had anything for Joel Embiid but in the past they have done so well against him especially in playoff series largely I agree with you I still think that this probably tops out this season because I, I agree with Nicole's point as well that Tatum is a uh, that down the line Tatum is like an you know all NBA first team MVP type candidate there is a case that could be made that the Celtics could make some noise in the, in the second round now I don't expect that and I think that there's like I mean look like I think the biggest takeaway for me is that the first part of the season, we overreacted a little bit to a weird season that like went off the rails a little bit. And the Celtics were bad. They were very bad. And I, I don't like, I don't think there's any question about that. We probably overreacted a little bit and said like, Hey, like this team is buried and dead and, and all this other stuff. And, you know, maybe pack it in and try it again next year. Basically we were a little premature on that. Now I don't want to be premature and react too hard to a bunch of admittedly good wins. To me, it's like, okay, I think that this team is probably good enough to make some noise in the playoffs because they did last year, and this team's pretty similar to last year's playoff team. But I do still think that the top of the East is probably a little bit too strong um, and that the Celtics probably need, you know, an offseason and, and maybe, you know, some tweaks here and there. Like a, a full offseason of development for, for Romeo and Rob would really help, that kind of thing. We declared this team dead, and the one thing that we can say certainly is that they are not dead. They are a better basketball team than we gave them credit for. Yeah, I mean, there are 17 games left on the schedule, 17 regular season games left. Depending how a couple of those go, I could be ready to get reckless like Sam Sheehan. Like, I might be veering in the territory that the Celtics actually have more in them than we initially thought. I mean, Evan Fournier still hasn't been out there, and that yeah, could be yeah. a good or a bad thing. Like, he could mess with the chemistry because he hasn't been out there, obviously, and he, I don't want to make assumptions, but probably is battling COVID as well, just given the amount of time he's been out. That's sort of an unknown, but it definitely, could be a big positive depending again how things shake out i think that's a really good point and i hope people remember that if fournier comes back and struggles we don't need to do this again jason right. tatum like is just now getting back to it like if he struggles when he comes back remember that he had covid he's not a bad basketball player anyway continue 100 <laughs> and he's also adjusting to a new team yeah. new players <laughs> coach. Yeah. so it's even yeah more challenging, but it'll definitely be interesting to see. Unfortunately, the Lakers are going to be shorthanded on Thursday. So if they win, that's fantastic that they came home from this road trip three and out. Like, I don't think anybody was predicting that, but at the same time, in the back of your mind, you can be like, eh, well, like that's not the real Lakers though. Again, a win is a win in terms of the standings and them getting a four or five seed. I definitely am more interested, I will say, in watching the Celtics and seeing how this goes, because I feel like for a while, it was just sort of inevitable as to what was going to happen. It was like, okay, what are we all doing here? Why are we grinding Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown into the ground? Like, yeah. this really isn't worth it. And there are still some questions about whether or not they should be playing this season and, you know, the whole condensed oh, yeah. schedule and stuff like that. But my interest is slightly more peaked though, because they are proving to be closer to contenders than we initially thought. Yeah. I mean, I think that whole discussion about, sorry, there's a truck backing up. I don't know if you guys can hear that. I thought um, it was in my house. <laughs> I was um, like, Ooh, package. <laughs> the, I wish it's a giant dump truck, huh? but the, uh, that clearly can't fit down my street. The discussion with the top of the Eastern conference is, I think it's an interesting one. 
I have trouble watching the Sixers and Celtics matchups this particular season and saying, well, the Celtics might be able to even steal a couple games against them in the playoffs. Like, I do not like the way the Celtics have looked against the Sixers. I think Milwaukee's a really good team, and I don't think the Celtics would beat them either. But I, I think that they could put up a fight and maybe steal a couple games. I don't know if they could do that against the Nets and against the Sixers, I would be in my head relying on the psychological factors. So like, I think that's an interesting discussion with a, that's rather complex, honestly, but I do think we're going to get a pretty decent look at this team over the next week or so. Like they could easily go, what have they won right now? Four in a row. They've won four in a row. So say they beat the Warriors, beat the Lakers. They could be six in a row and then they have Chicago on Monday. So they could peel off seven in a row. It's very possible but then they've got a really interesting back-to-back on Thursday, Friday next week against the Suns and the Nets. Like, that's an interesting test. One, it's a brutal back-to-back. One's, yeah. one's home, one's on the road. But those are two legitimate teams. It'll be interesting to see kind of where they are at that point in this little run. Those are good measuring stick games for sure. If they can get through this April stretch and maintain sort of their, their standing in the league, like I think right now they're one game behind the uh, the Hawks. If they can kind of maintain where they are right now, I, I think there's a good chance um, that they can get to the four seed and put some distance between themselves and everybody else. And if they get the Hawks in the first round, like if the first round is Celtics-Hawks, if I'm the Celtics, I'm feeling pretty good about that one. It would be the Hawks' first time in the playoffs. Like I have a hard time seeing Trey Young, you know, lead his team on like a like a deep playoff run in his first appearance in the postseason. So, you know, I, I think those are bottoms. But I, I, in general, Granham, I, I generally agree agree with your point about Philly. I think, yeah, we are, we are kind of looking at this team and, and saying they have the psychological advantage because the matchups right. we haven't seen. I think if, if Kemba Walker looks more like Kemba Walker, I might be more inclined to be like, Ooh, maybe there's something here because the Sixers do really like to play that kind of drop pick and roll coverage. They, and they have these long, you know, defenders who can, who can do a lot of things, but like Kemba, Kemba would be able to break free for, for shots pretty frequently. Like the Sixers defense has been disgusting. So good. So good. Like it's so good. <laughs> and and you add in like the Embiid factor and you add in the fact that Ben Simmons will be back this year. It is, it is hard to see them beating Philadelphia, but you know, there's other matchups. I, I, yeah. I, I'm with Nicole. Honestly, I'm just, I'm interested. And it feels good to be interested in this team again after two and a half, three months of just like, I don't, <laughs> but like, I don't want to do this. Like what, what, what are we doing here? There is a period where you would look at the Celtics schedule and be like, okay, they're going to play the Warriors. Steph's going to go off for 40 plus. Oh, they're <laughs> going to play the Bulls. Zach Levine's going to go off for 35 plus. Oh, the Suns. Devin Booker's going to go for 30 plus. Oh, the Nets. Kyrie or KD or James Harden's going to go <laughs> off for 30 plus. Oh, the Hornets. I could keep going. Like, yeah. there was a point. I was going where- to say, the, the Wizards, Bradley Beal is getting 50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was a point where you would look at the Celtics schedule, look at their opponent, just identify one or multiple star players and know that they were going to just rain buckets. And as an observer, that is refreshing to not be harboring like yeah. uh, that dread, at least. There was that brutal stretch where I think it got up to like 12 straight games where they had an opponent score over 30 points. It was the legendary like, graphic that grew every game. Yeah. <laughs> just With Sadiq Bay just smack right in the center of it. <laughs> you're damn right where he belongs. <laughs> right alongside Giannis and Nikola Jokic. <laughs> What's interesting about that list is that last night when the Celtics played the Blazers, Damian Lillard had 28. Like he had a good game. 
except he was nine for 23. And like Marcus Smart harassed him. Like Lillard still got his because he's Damian Lillard. But that's exactly what it should be defensively when you play a superstar. The guy should be good. He should have a good night. But you should harass him into like 28 points on 23 shots instead of 48 points on 13 shots like Bradley Beal was doing to these guys. Exactly. And maybe now that the Celtics have sort of turned it around, we can talk about the most embarrassing one of them all, which was Danilo Gallinari scoring like 38 <laughs> points who yeah. like can barely move. So it's like the fact that they're at least making things difficult. And that's the problem with Joel Embiid too. It's like, you just don't want it to be easy for him. Like obviously the Celtics don't have an answer and they don't have anyone that can guard Joel Embiid like well, but like he just can't have his way and do whatever ah, cool, he wants. Cool. Like, <laughs> like that I think was the problem with that slew of 12 games which we should at one point like just power rank or something because they were just getting whatever they want on incredibly efficient shooting and it was just absurd so it's nice that they've recovered from that I love that Nicole's suggestion for another podcast episode is all right the Celtics are winning let's go back and power rank the 12 yeah. times that a superstar <laughs> just Gallinari. I also wanted to say about Gallo I really appreciate that guy because like I've just started doing like basketball workouts to try to get in shape for when I can hoop again. I really feel like Danilo Gallinari out there, like just can't really move very well right now. My <laughs> knees hurt, but I can still shoot the thing. So anyway. Uh, that was objectively hilarious watching him limp up the court. It was, that was good. That was, that was good. <laughs> and I think that was the only one of the 12 games where they had two players go off for 30 plus because yep. Trey Young also yep. reached that. So yeah. Was that the game where Grant got it thrown off his back also? Was that in the Hawks game too? I believe so, so because I believe that was the game where Gary Washburn asked his legendary questions about like, did it feel like that they were just trying to punk you? And it was like, <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> He's like, he was 200% right that it felt like the Hawks were just like two middle fingers blazing to the Boston Celtics that night. Yeah, everyone in that post-game media availability was like, boy, that, those 48 minutes, they were trying to embarrass you the entire time. <laughs> What do you think of that? Yeah. And again, as, I love that Gino time got derailed onto this as we're trying yeah, to say, yeah, nice we're, we're talking about the Hawks game. <laughs> but like in all seriousness, I think Gino time has come around. We're willing to see what happens. I don't think we're completely bought in. I don't want to speak on behalf of the whole podcast, but we are close to buying in and wouldn't be surprised if we do end up buying in. Looking at the remainder of this schedule, it's easy, easier to buy in than it once was. I mean, you've got the Bulls twice. The Hornets twice, OKC, Cleveland, Minnesota again, the Magic. It's a relatively easy schedule. You've got Miami twice in there and Brooklyn, Phoenix, and Portland. Those are your toughest games, and they're relatively spread apart, except for the back-to-back -back against the Heat. Like, there's a lot of winnable games in there. I think that sets up pretty nicely for their stretch run here. So I don't know, especially if they're trying to work Fournier back in, like there might be some easier matchups to do that. The thing that would get me to buy in is just like Jason Tatum continuing to look like himself. The Boston Celtics are a good team when their best player is an all-NBA first-team type player. We knew that. We knew that losing Gordon Haywood would hurt, but we also knew that like they could survive it and they could still be like a team that could make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals without him because they did. And obviously there were other circumstances there, but like Jason Tatum at his best is a superstar. Like at his best right now, he's a top 10 player in the NBA. And it just kind of like depends on health and other things. But like the Celtics have a top 10 player and they also have Jalen Brown. And they also like, they also have Marcus Smart. Like they have, presumably they'll have Evan Fournier at some point again. Like they have good players. They have Rob Williams. They have good players on this team. And that was one of the things that was so confounding about this team is as we watched them, we were like, they have all these good players. Like what in the world is happening? And honestly, like, 
like maybe a big part of it was just Jason Tatum had COVID. Jason Tatum really struggled to get over COVID during a crucial part of the Celtic season when they were trying to put everything together. Because if you remember, he got COVID on January 9. The season started in just like late December. So he got COVID pretty early. Right. You know, the Celtics just never like they, they were they were trash for a long time. It might just be as simple as when their best player is their best player and, and is really good they're good. Like, cause that also allows for the domino effect of then everybody plays within their role. Like when Jason yeah. Tatum is yeah. off, everybody else has to step it up a notch. And like Marcus Smart, as shown by last night's game is important and critical to this team's winning plays as Brad Stevens and so many people have noted countless times before. However, Marcus Smart should not be like your number one option or should yeah. not be like who you go to for offense. Yeah. Um, yeah. If Tatum is playing well, it just allows everybody else to play like a little bit more comfortably and there's just a little bit less pressure on everyone else to do things that are slightly outside of their typical role. The domino effect, I think, gets pretty bad quickly with this team because of how young and how inconsistent the bench can be. I also think I totally agree with that. And and back to the Heat real quick. I think that would be an interesting matchup because in my mind, at least over the last couple of weeks, there's a lot of similarities in the seasons that both of those teams have had. The Heat dramatically underperformed so far, just like the Celtics have. But you're looking at them on paper. You're like, you got Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero's a good player. You also have Victor Oladipo now. Like, what are we missing here? Like, what, what's... What's happening? It's like when they do find their footing and when the top of their roster is performing as they should, their roles fall into place and they perform similar like they like they did in the playoffs last year, which is a very good team. From that perspective, like I think that would be a really interesting four or five matchup if it were to happen, just because I look at those timelines and they're very similar to me. And I think Miami, like the Celtics, could end up being a relatively dangerous team early in the playoffs. Do I think they're going to go on a deep run? I don't think so. Their offense has been pretty inconsistent, but I just think that would be interesting from a sense that they've kind of run parallel to one another all year. Agreed. Again, not for nothing. Those are two teams that played very late into the season and had about a month off before they had to start hooping again. So realistically, like there's a million things that you have to consider when you consider this season. And I think that's all part of it. Like COVID, absolutely weird packed together schedule. Absolutely. And also that like the teams who made a deep run, I mean, you know, like not for nothing, the Lakers, like LeBron James is out. Anthony Davis is out. A bunch of the guys that are like crucial to their team are out right now. All the teams that made a deep run are, are, are struggling with, with health and everything else. So this is the Gino Time Eats Crow podcast. We probably should have like been a little bit more willing to consider that. I think I, I kind of wanted to err on the side of like, this team should be a little bit better. Like, just because you, you don't want to, like the Celtics, you don't want to be making excuses for them, right? Like the Celtics say have said all season, like, we don't want to make excuses. We don't want to make excuses. And at some point, yeah, like you don't want to either. But also like, there's a million excuses and they're all pretty valid. <laughs> In our defense, though, you can only watch so much bad basketball before you're like, maybe this team just really doesn't have it. 100%. I think part of it, too, is that we were considering, like, okay, what's next? And the more we watched this team be bad, I think all of us thought, like, oh, there's a chance that, like, if they just keep this team together, that they could be okay next year as long as the well isn't poisoned. But, I mean, mean, for Grenham and I, we're looking at at this season and we're thinking, like, Yo, if you could lose like 10 more games, like this year's draft has like a very clear drop-off point. And, and we kind of were examining that as well. So I, th- I think there was a little bit of that in there too. I guess the real kudos goes to Sam Sheehan for bringing yes. up the vibes. All credit to the God, Sam Sheehan. One other thing we did want to touch on, we are going to be launching a voicemail where you guys- It is can- launched. 
Oh, we it have is, launched. It is we launched. Have, they can call it right you now. You guys can call it right now. You guys can uh, can give us a call. So the number is 978-254-1707. Um, so if you guys have any questions, anything you want to say, we will we will definitely put it on the podcast and we'll talk about whatever you guys want us to talk about. So one more time, 978-254-1707. So yeah, we will uh, talk to you all again soon.